Good morning. As your pastors and leaders, I want you to know that we have been planning for over a month for what we're calling the reboot of our ministries at Evergreen Church. All of us know that as we have the opportunity to regather in various forms, it's going to look different than it did before the pandemic. And I also want you to know that this planning is based on a prayerful discernment about what we believe God is leading us towards in the future. One of the things that rose to the surface early on, and we've already decided upon this, is we know there'll be an initial need for us to really decompress as a church family. And we wanna be able to do that in healthy ways as we begin to regather. We've said it already in the service this morning, but we are all experiencing this very intense period of emotional turmoil in our world. At the forefront of our planning for the church family is holistic care, to provide space for processing all of what we are experiencing through the lens of our faith and the safety of our church family. Seems like a long time ago, but back in January, I preached my second sermon at Evergreen and it was based on Eugene Peterson's book entitled Five Smooth Stones. In this book, Peterson lays out five emphasis for pastoral role, which I call a biblical compass to give pastors a baseline for determining their priorities in ministry. There's a lot of things we can be doing, but what should we be doing as leaders in God's church? And one of the five priorities, Eugene Peterson calls pain sharing. The sharing of pain in Eugene's book is based on the book of Lamentations, a very biblical idea, this idea of lament. Lament is not having a bad day. It's not a short-term malady. It's a chronic condition that can rear its head at any point as we try to achieve any semblance of what we might call normalcy. And so this morning, I'd like to invite us to do this together, to lament as a church family. I have found myself mourning and sad on many different levels and for a variety of different reasons. Let me say that pastors need to be careful about bringing our own emotional state into the pulpit. The word of God was meant to point people to the hope in Jesus Christ and not point to the speaker. Literally, this past week, I have begun four different sermons, all based on four different biblical texts. I jettisoned three, and I've landed on the text for this morning in Psalm 13. But I need to tell you that this morning, I need to lament with you. And then, at the end of our worship service, encounter Jesus in the sacrament of communion together. There's plenty to lament this morning on a global, on a national on a local concern, 
and even your own personal situation that may supersede even all that is swirling around us. And so I'd like us to begin with silence and to bring your heartfelt concerns and place them at the feet of Jesus as we open his word. Would you bow with me in silence and offer those things to him? Lord Jesus Christ, hear these our prayers. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We had already planned as pastors to begin a brand new sermon series this morning. And so we are doing so. It's called Songs of Refuge, Honest Reflections from the Psalms. In keeping with what I said earlier about wanting us to be able to decompress, we felt that there is no better place in the scriptures to go than the Psalms for us as a church to begin to gather around expressing those things, but taking them to our Heavenly Father. And as you know, the Psalms are not prayers that are from a monastery or an academic setting. The Psalms are human prayers, straight from human real experience. The writers did not polish or edit these prayers after they were written. They put out what was in their mind, in their heart, their prayers from the gut. Over a third of our Psalms are actually contain elements of lament. And they could be called prayers of disorientation. This is a popular term now taken from Walter Brueggemann, who's considered one of the top present-day Old Testament scholars. And I love this take that he has on the Psalms. Psalms of disorientation are often mournful, angry, even depressed at times. And often these are the emotions that we don't always know what to do with as Christians. Now, Brueggemann contrasts the Psalms of lament with what he calls Psalms of orientation. These are Psalms that we love in our devotions, and we regularly use these in our worship together because they express praise and thanksgiving because God is at work. He's on the move. The Psalm that I've chosen today has elements of both disorientation and orientation. So please turn with me to Psalm chapter 13. Each Psalm is attributed to someone. This one is attributed to David, major character in the Old Testament, a shepherd boy, and later the second king of Israel. Verse one, listen to his cry. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? This refrain of how long is repeated four times just in the beginning of his prayer. It's the cry of weariness. When will this be over? Where are you, God, in what I'm experiencing? To contextualize it for today, it may be the pandemic was hard enough. How many more layers are you going to lay on us? And this question, 
Will you forget me forever? Disorientation causes us to lose our sense of time. It, it causes us to lose our perspective. And so David says it again. How long will you hide your face from me? God's face is a common metaphor in the Old Testament. And it's a term for whether God is present and engaged or aloof. Most of us know Aaron's blessing. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. That benediction that we use is for the favor of God, for him to be engaged with us and looking at us. And in Psalm 13, God's face has been hidden. He's absent. He is unresponsive. So in verse 2, David goes on, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? David describes two layers of his lament, his intellectual questions and his emotional depth of sadness and sorrow. Many times over the last three months, I have said to my wife, I think my head is going to explode. I'm reflecting that same idea. I can't take in all this information. I cannot process all of my emotions. I'm wrestling with my thoughts intellectually. I'm wrestling with my emotions as David did. There are so many conflicting voices right now. Who is telling us the truth? I can't listen anymore. Turn it off. David goes on, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Here we see it's an enemy that we don't know what it is or who it is, but the enemy has an upper hand. Not only is God absent, but this enemy is unleashed and uncontrolled. Now a personal appeal in verse 3. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Look on me. Again, it's this image of turn your face back. Find me in your gaze across this world and look at me. It's almost like a child whose disposition is a little bit angry and they fold their arms and they say, I am not leaving until I get an answer. He goes on to say, Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. Light in the Bible, just like his face, is associated with the presence of God. It's a prayer for God's light to enter his troubled situation. And this is another thing we learn from lament we can be bold with God. He can take all that we have in our heart. And so now David says, if you don't show up, three things are going to happen. 
First of all, I will die. Secondly, my enemies will win. And thirdly, my enemies are going to celebrate my demise. So David's final bargaining chip is, so, God, do you want the bad guys to win? And I believe in this lament at this point that David pauses. He's gotten it out. He's been able to say what he deeply feels. And the pause leads to some silence. It's a time for David to reflect on what he has just put out before God. Here is one of those amazing times in the scripture where we see the change of tone. David has laid out his case. His disorientation has been expressed. And after bearing his heart to God, what good is more endless chatter and arguing? We're used to that in our newsfeed, endless chatter. And yet prayer says there's a point in which you sit in the presence of God and await a God who speaks. Similar to when you are sitting with a friend who is in deep sorrow. That's not a time for you to preach a sermon, to give them a new book, to tell them what you would do in the same situation. It's a time to zip it, a time to sit and be the presence of Christ in the presence of someone who is in deep lament. Here's the change of tone in verses 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So David gives us three personal statements that are part of his reorientation. David's faith has been shattered, but at least he has enough faith that eventually I will trust again. I will rejoice again. And I will sing again. Now these final two verses are not some self-help mantra. These are not some daily affirmations. David starts to have threads of hope that are grounded in the very character of God. God's love, God's salvation, and God's goodness. And this is one of the overarching themes in the Psalms. They come back to what God is doing, not to what they're capable of. Now, another way of saying that is they're appealing to the covenant that God has made with Israel. It was his initiative to choose Israel. It's his loyalty to them that sustained the nation. I often say to the churches that I have been privileged to serve, I do not trust my often feeble attempts to hold on to Christ. But I very much trust in the relentless pursuit that Christ has for me. With all of the frustrations that David had, he still turned back to God. 
Lament is not a pill that we take to make us feel better. It's not a drug to numb the pain. It's a turning towards and an appeal to God who alone can carry our burdens. We choose not to self-medicate in times of lament. We must choose not to hurt others in times of lament, but seek the one who has helped and provided salvation in the past. Here's a final statement I'd like to make. To experience deep sadness and disillusionment is part of what it means to be human. To be worn out, weary, to mourn and weep is part of what it means to be human. To be indignant towards injustice and lash out in anger is a natural human response. However, true biblical lament is a learned practice by broken people who admit that sin lies within themselves, who humbly and continually confess their sins and seek the forgiveness that can only be given by God. Then, and only then, can we begin to walk in the just ways of Jesus Christ, our Lord.